So the title of my message is Living Above the Law, but what I primarily want to talk about is how to love difficult people. How to love difficult people. So do you like getting unsolicited advice? I love it. Do you like when someone's bossy with you? You know, starts telling you what to do. Maybe even someone you don't even know that well, and they just start being bossy with you. Don't you love that? Someone who's pushy. How about when someone just crosses, you know, boundaries that normal people don't cross? The other day I was in line at this place for coffee, and I'm standing there, and I'm not a person that likes to be, like, in someone's personal space. You know, I usually keep a little distance, you know, even before COVID. That's just me. And so I'm standing there, a little bit of space, and not one, but two different people walk right in front of me. And I'm like, what are you guys doing? I didn't say that, but I'm like, what are you doing? You know, that's weird. And then the, the person served those people as well. And then I finally got my turn, and I got my coffee. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, what is happening here? Um, some people just cross boundaries. And... I've found that very few things will produce more growth in our lives than learning how to love difficult people. Very few things will cause us to advance in our walk with God, what he's called us to do, what he's trying to do on the inside of us in terms of healing us and maturing us. Yeah. But what about when someone's been just flat out hurtful toward you? That's a little tougher than just, you know, cutting in line, right? We were new in the Dominican Republic. Uh, we moved there in 1998. We lived there till uh, 2002. And we were taking over this church that another missionary had had in a med medical clinic. And there was this other missionary couple that were in Santo Domingo, which is the capital of the Dominican Republic. We were living in Oswa, which is a smaller town. And they wanted to join us. And they were an older couple, retired, and just serving on the mission field. And he had had a, um, like a remodeling type business. He knew a lot about painting and construction, fixing things. And I thought, well, that's awesome. I'd love to have a guy like that, you know, helping us out. And I'm new, you know, 1998, I'm new to missions and a little, you know, kind of new to ministry. And I didn't check him out. I didn't do anything. I just said, hey, come join us. You know, so we, they moved to Oswald and they join us. And I'm thinking it's going to be great. So the first couple of weeks are going by and I start noticing this pattern. Every time I'm around him, he's got advice for me. You know, and, and, and so like I'm, and he's older, you know, he's a retired gentleman, you know, I'm um, mid-30s at this point, and I'm trying to be gracious. Okay, well, thanks for your idea, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll keep that in mind, you know, but it kept coming, like, all the time, like, like, every time I ran into him, he had this advice, and, like, it got old, and, you know, and, and finally, like, I just try tried to, like, avoid them. You know, if I saw them, you know, I'd go a different way, you know, or I'd have something else to do and, and, and things like that. And so then I don't think he liked that. He didn't appreciate that. <laughs> and I think he maybe, you know, took a little bit of offense to that. I'm not sure. 
And so one night we're in a Sunday, in the Dominican Republic, you have the main church service in the evening. So we're having our service and, and like in the middle of the service, he and his wife just left, just kind of in a huff. They just left, you know, and we're, Cindy and I are trying to do the service. I'm trying to preach in, in what little Spanish I had at the time. And they just left. I'm like, man, what happened? You know, what's wrong with them? You know, something's bothering them. I had no idea, you know. And so we go looking for him after we get out of the service. And I, and I drive by his house and they're sitting on the front porch. And I'm like, what's going on with you guys? Well, we, we don't like how you guys take care of the children in the, in the service and how you guys manage the children during the, the church service. Like, oh, okay. And my first thought was, uh, we're looking for volunteers, you know. <laughs> if you got a better way, like step up, you know. <laughs> and uh, they, they, were, they were upset by that and, um, you know, just got angry and kind of quit coming to the church and... We got word that they were going around to different people's houses talking bad about us and, and all this. And so I don't know what to do with this guy. You know, he's an older guy, you know, and I'm pretty new in ministry and first year on the mission field. Like, wow, great start, you know. And so finally I'm thinking, I got to try to talk to this guy, you know. And so I said, hey, you, could you just come over to the house, you know, and we'll make some coffee and talk. And they agreed to do that. And so they came over the house. And I'm pretty nervous, you know, I, I don't, you know, know how to talk to this guy. And he's kind of volatile. And uh, so anyway, we're sitting there drinking coffee. And I said, you know, let, let's just talk. Uh, you know, there's all kind of ministry here. This is the third world. Like, there's no shortage, you know, like, I'm sure there's stuff you like to do. There's stuff that I got to do. Like, let's work it out. No, no, you know, everything you guys are doing is wrong, and the way that you're dealing with the medical clinic, it's all wrong. And you trying to preach every week in broken Spanish, that's ridiculous. And I said, you know, I'm looking for a solution here. I, I mean, there was like a grace on me at that moment. You know, Cindy will tell you, you know, that I, you know, it was beyond my maturity. It was. I mean, it really was, because I stayed pretty patient. And I just said, hey, you know, let's find a solution. Like, you're kind of attacking me. <laughs> but, you know, could we find a solution? No. No, we can't find a solution. You, you know, everything you're doing is wrong. And so that didn't end so well. And, uh, you know, they kind of left at that point, And that's kind of where it ended. Like, no real progress was had. And I was learning about the Father's love in those days. Kind of our first year in the Dominican Republic was the same year that I began relating with Jack Frost, the guy who mentored me in the Father's love. And I'm learning, and I'm like, yeah, but you, you know, you don't show the Father's love to a guy like this. Come on. Like, you know, how, what do you even do with a guy like this? You know, um, I wanted to show him law, you know, kind of like Chuck Norris style law, you know. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And, uh, you know, I didn't know how to navigate these waters. So in Deuteronomy, I want to read a verse real quick. Deuteronomy 28, 1 and 2. I'm just going to read part of it. If you obey God, he will set you on high and his blessings will chase you down and overtake you. So that's a cool verse to me. Because most Christians I know spend a lot of time chasing God's blessings and oftentimes never catching up to them. But this verse is saying you don't have to chase them. They will chase you if you obey God. 
And to me, the, you know, when I hear the word obey, my mind can kind of go Old Testament, you know, and like obey, like, you know, I probably don't have the willpower for that. <laughs> but if you could think of obey more as aligning your heart to God's heart, I, that's easier for me. I can relate to that. I can kind of, you know, kind of get in the flow of that. Aligning my heart, you know, how does God see this person in this situation? And can I align my heart with God's heart? You know, blessings come. Blessings come. And not just emotional blessings, not just emotional healing and, and, and maturity, but even physical blessings. Verse 8, the Lord will command the blessing on you in your storehouses and in all to which you set your hand. So that sounds pretty good, right? That God's blessing comes on everything that we put our hands to. But then in verse 15, it says, if you don't obey, curses come upon you. So to me, curses is a similar word like obey. My mind can go completely Old Testament. You know, curse, like that sounds very severe. But what if you think about it as the damage that happens when somebody who carries a long-term resentment? you know, and they can't get past a hurt or an anger that they're carrying, right? I mean, it begins to, it can affect your health. It can affect various relationships in your life, not just the person you're mad at. It could affect endeavors that you're trying to carry out, performance on your job. You know, it can affect a lot of things, um, you know, when we don't align with God's heart and walk in his love. So there's a higher place we can live in where God's blessings chase us down. That sounds good. But many Christians live in a low place, not finding a way forward, not knowing how to navigate the difficult relationships and the difficult people in our lives. And, you know, I grew up in a very broken home, so there were a lot of things that had not matured in me yet, you know, even as an adult. And it, and it took a lot of time for God to be working those things in me, still working in me. So I'll give you this example. We had been living in Oswa for about a year, and there was this big announcement that a new restaurant was coming to town, El Pollo Rey, which is, means the chicken king. And it was a fast food, fried chicken, and tostones, you know. And they even had a drive-through to prove that it was fast food, right? And like, this sounds good. You know, we'd been gone from the U.S. just long enough that, that, that we desired a restaurant like that. That sounded good, you know. And so we had this Sunday night service, this particular night, and it was wonderful. The worship was just great, and we were just feeling God's love and his presence, and like it was like we were in a higher place. I had no judgment in my heart toward anybody, and I loved God, and he loved me, and we felt great. And we're like, man, good night. Let's go to the Chicken King. And so we leave the service and we go to the try for the first time the Chicken King walking in the front door at a higher place. And I order this food for Cindy and I and, and Darren, our son, and we're just waiting. Can't wait to try the chicken strips. And I'm waiting. And it's taken some time, you know. Like, okay, waiting. And like, more time goes by, but I'm, I'm still pretty patient. I'm still in a higher place, but like more time's going by. And like I'm starting to like, this is fast food, right? This is supposed to be fast food, you know? And I'm waiting. More time goes by, 
and somebody else comes in and gets their food, orders after me, gets their food and leaves, and I'm still waiting. Holy cow. And like 30 minutes went by. I still had not got my food. And I got down in a lower place. And I said, give me your manager. I want to speak to your manager. Find me your manager. In broken Spanish. <laughs> Terrible Spanish. It's my first year in the Dominican Republic. You know, and I, I doubt they understood what I was saying. They knew all the, you know, and there weren't like a bunch of Americans in this little Dominican city. You know, we were, I think there was another couple besides us. You know, like this is a crazy American guy in the lobby of our restaurant yelling something in broken Spanish that none of us understand. And we don't really know what to do with this guy. Like, you know, Dominicans culturally also, they don't yell at people, each other in, in public. Like, you know, it's not a thing. You know, friendliness is the thing. And like, I was wrong on so many levels. <laughs> and then I'm feeling condemnation. I'm supposed to be the new missionary in town to meet people, make friends, and lead them to Jesus. <laughs> you know, and now I'm the crazy white guy in the pojo ray, you know, yelling in broken Spanish. And, you know, uh, condemnation's part of the lower place, by the way. <laughs> so, um, okay. So if I'm impatient toward the shortcomings and faults of others, do you think I'm going to have faith to believe God's going to be patient with my own shortcomings and faults and, you know, so forth? It's going to be hard, you know, it's going to be hard. Um, you know, I was kind of wanting to give the pojore justice. You said it was fast food. Where's my fast food? Half hour's not fast right? You know, give them some law. Give them some justice. Give them what they deserve. You know, set this thing right. Come on, fast food? I don't think so. I know about fast food. I come from America. <laughs> and so, yeah, I wanted to give them law. And law, in my mind, was a fuzzy thing for a long time. The Bible has a lot to say about law. You know, you can hear the word law. What's that? Uh, Ten Commandments, you know. I mean, we could have all these different thoughts about law. And it took me kind of like studying the Bible for quite some time and learning about the Father's love. Well, what about the law? What does that mean, you know, where I live, where I can apply it to my life on any given day, you know, where the rubber meets the road? So I, I, over time, I came up with this definition of law that I want to read to you. Law is what I deem as right and using that to be righteous. Whatever it is that I deem to be right and using that to be righteous. Give me good service or I give you a look. Like, what's wrong with you, Right? Give me, you said fast food, I want fast service, or what's your problem? You know, whatever I deem to be right in that particular night, it was good service, which I didn't get. And then using that to judge others, using that, well, I would have gave fast service, using that to be righteous, self-righteous. If I was running the pojo rey, it'd be fast. In Romans 10 and verse 5, Moses writes about the righteousness which is of the law. The man who does those things shall live by them. Like, that's a serious verse, right? 
If I'm trying to live by law, if I have these attitudes of judgment according to these different laws, that's where I'm going to live. And I'm going to reap what I sow. And so the opposite of law, we can maybe say, is grace. So I want to look at Galatians 5, 3 and 4. I testify to every man that is circumcised. Okay, so for a lot of these early Christian Jews, circumcision is what you had to do. Like, yeah, Jesus, but yeah, also circumcision. You know, it said a good service. It was circumcision. You follow? Everybody's got to be circumcised. God's not happy. Right? That's what, that's what the requirement is. That's what we have to live under. We'll live by. Right? This is what needs to be done. So Paul is addressing this. I testify again to every man that is circumcised, Christ is become of no effect unto you. That's a pretty strong verse, right? Like you, you have, the, the, um, in Spanish, it's a really great verse. It's like you've become unlinked to God's grace and his power. Like the effectiveness of God in your life, you've disconnected from it, Right? And that was me, down there in condemnation, was in a higher place, great, great church service, got down there, got all judgmental at the workers at the Pojo Rey. Now I'm in condemnation. I'm in a lower place. I've disconnected. Does it mean it's not still available? No. God's hand is right there, right? I can run back up into the higher place anytime. Um, but I have to receive it, right? I got to want it. I can say no to it, which I did at that moment, Right? So we become disconnected from Christ. Whosoever of you are justified by law, you are fallen from grace. You are fallen in that moment from grace. Grace is the place of humbly receiving God's free gift. Humbly receiving as I am with no power or ability to earn it, his favor. Like It takes a little humility like, you know what? God likes you. Like right where you're at, right who you are, whatever you have done or not done, he actually likes you and wants his favor to shine up. Me? But look what I've done. You know, that's the humility part. Galatians 5.18 says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. So that's pretty interesting, right? That sounds like a higher place. There's a place that you can live where you're not under the law, hence the title of the message, Living Above the Law. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. So let's take the opposite of that. What if you're not led by the Spirit? Where are you? Under the law. If you're not led by the Spirit, you're going to end up under the law. So Galatians 5, 19 to 21 Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lewdness, idolatry, sorcery, hatred, contentions, jealousy, outbursts of wrath, selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies, envy, murders, drunkenness, rivalries, reveries. Those who practice such things will not inherit the kingdom of God. So notice how many things on this list have to do with our relationships with one another. Envy, jealousy, murder, hatred, strife, dissension, right? All of these things, they have to do with our relationships. So here's the key. The deeds of the flesh will set in motion law in your life. 
When we're in the deeds of the flesh and not being led by the Spirit, it sets in motion these laws and we reap what we sow. And we're not in a higher place. We're not living above the law. We're living under the law. And then it says, um, you will not inherit the kingdom of God. For me, what that means is, is God has offered me his favor and his forgiveness as, as an undeserved free gift, available and free at any time. Excuse me. Um, but if I'm under the law, if I'm living according to the deeds of the flesh, I, I'm not choosing to receive that favor and that gifting and that, and that blessing of God. He, he wants to give it, and he, he, his heart is for me, but I, I'm choosing not to receive it. So I'm not walking in the kingdom blessings freely available to me at any time. But then look at Galatians 5, 22 and 23. It talks about what is this being led by the Spirit, this mysterious thing. It explains it. The fruit of the Spirit, or being led by the Spirit, is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Notice how many of these also have to do with relationships. Can I align my heart with God's heart? Can I see that difficult person with God's eyes and align myself with that and walk in love and walk in patience, you know? Even uh, if somebody gets coffee before me, you know, God, I have no idea what's going on with that person today. I really don't. I don't know how they were raised. I don't know what their struggles are, what, what their maturity is. You know, maybe courtesy was never, ever modeled for that person in their entire life. You know, and they, they just don't get it, you know. I don't know. So I'm not going to judge them. I can love them. You know, I, I can show them God's love. Sometimes easier said than done. But here's the interesting thing. At the end of the verse, it says, against such there is no law. How amazing is that, right? That's the higher place. You don't have to be under the law when you're walking in God's love. When we have a need to be right, we will put what we think is right over grace and loving others. God traffics in grace. God will always seek to interact with us by means of grace. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, For by grace you have been saved through faith, that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Okay, so God traffics in grace. Satan, on the other hand, traffics by law, by demanding justice and, and uh, being a legalist. He wants what is just and what is right, you know. Um, and Satan wants to use the flesh, our flesh, to trap us in the law so he can bring cursing into our lives and destruction into our lives. You know, Satan wants to bring accusations in my mind toward other people and just keep me down there in that lower place, just walking in condemnation 24-7, you know, and not experiencing the benefits of the kingdom freely offered. God wants to give us an undeserved gift. Grace is a higher place than what is just and what is right. One of the names for Satan in Revelations 12.10 is he is the accuser of the brethren, right? That's what he does. 
He comes around all the time with these accusing thoughts. Oh, look, when you walked in this morning, that person didn't even talk to you or, or say hi. They're mad at you. They're definitely mad at you, you know. How come your boss is constantly like showing attention to this other person and yet you're working harder than everybody, doesn't even seem to notice you? You know, you're never going to overcome that issue. You're not an overcomer. You know, accusations. That he's the acu- that's what he does. He's the father of lies. He's the accuser of the brethren. One of the names for God, on the other hand, God the Holy Spirit, is the comforter. Not the accuser, but the comforter, right? The Holy Spirit is the comforter. What does a comforter do? This is deep. Gives comfort, right? What are his thoughts like? They're comforting. You're going to make it. I'm on your side. I'm with you. I love you exactly as you are where you're at, and I'm right here with you to grab you by the hand and walk one step at a time into everything that I have for you right? I know the thoughts that I have toward you, says the Lord. Good thoughts to give you hope in a future. God never thinks a negative thought about you. He's not the accuser. He's the comforter. So the question is, whose side do you want to be on? If we want what is right and what is just and demanding justice, we will reap what we sow. But when we show mercy then we receive mercy for our shortcomings and and failings and challenges that we have. When we see other people's faults and shortcomings, and especially when we're hurt by other people's faults and shortcomings, you know, it's it's, it's normal to be upset or even angry. It's normal to feel like, man, they got to make that right. You know, I need some justice out of this thing. And we become negative and critical. And we don't realize it, but our thoughts are coming into agreement with the accuser of the brethren at that moment. And we're going to end up in a lower place if we're not careful. You know, when, when someone mistreats us, uh, you know, like this guy, this, this other missionary, he mistreated us. You know, no bones about it. He was pretty hurtful going house to house talking bad about us. Just all kind of accusations to my face. I was sitting there brand new trying my best. It's normal to feel hurt, you know, when we go through these kinds of experiences. But we have a choice. We can say, you know, Father, I want to forgive them. You know, this person is probably a very hurt person. How can I show them love? How can I help them overcome whatever this is? and um, restore relationship. Or I can demand justice. So we can make the decision whether to receive bad treatment from other people as a blessing or a curse. We can make that decision whether that's something that God's going to use to heal us and mature us and take us forward or cause us to go down into a lower place. When we respond with accusation and fault-finding, we give Satan the key to the front door of our house. I didn't know what to do with this guy. And so I called uh, my pastor at the time, and he's like, you know, maybe you ought to call his pastor and see what's up. And I thought, all right, I will. So he was from this church out of uh, Tampa. And so I, I found the number. I found the church. I called the pastor 
And I said, man, you, you, you've got this missionary down here. Like, I'm trying to get along with him. And he is just constantly attacking us. And I've tried meeting with him, and, and he's not agreeable. And I don't know what to do. And, you know, can you help? Like, can you talk to this guy? You know, I'm willing to meet with him again. And the pastor said, I can't help you. I said, oh, great. He said, yeah, I can't help you. This guy, uh, you know, he's living on his retirement. So, you know, it's not like we got all this funding we can take away or whatever, or call him back. And he was in Mexico, and he did the exact same thing to a ministry in Mexico. And then he was with a different ministry in Santo Domingo, uh, Dominican Republic, and had a big falling out with the group there. And we even flew our leadership team down and had a big meeting with everybody, and we couldn't work it out. And we're so sorry to hear that he's moved on and joined you and doing the same thing. But, uh, you know, we don't know what we're done at this point. We don't know what to do. It's like, oh, great. Okay. <laughs> and so it just started dominating my thoughts. I just started pretty much staying in a lower place. We would have to drive from Oswa to Santo Domingo once a week to get our mail and groceries, stuff like that. It's like a couple hours there, a couple hours back. And poor Cindy would be sitting in the car, and I would complain about this guy all the way there and all the way back. Like, you know, this guy is older. He's supposed to be mature. How in the world is he acting like this? Like, I'm just getting completely under oppression and, and just anger and just complete lower place living. And, you know, I'm giving Satan the key to the front door of my house. Ephesians 4, 26 and 27. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So again, when someone mistreats us, it's normal to feel hurt or, or to be angry. But, but what, I, what I see the Bible saying here is you got to deal with it the sun go down, you know, get your heart right, do what you got to do and deal with it, or you're giving place to the devil. And that's exactly what the accuser of the brethren wants. There was one particular study that was done that said 80% of Christians' thoughts are negative. You know, that, that's incredible. They don't like me. They didn't speak to me. You know, they don't want to help me. And that's what Satan wants. He wants us to reap a curse. God wants the difficult relationships in our life to cause us to inherit a blessing. But it's amazing. 1 Peter 3, 8 and 9. This is an amazing verse. Finally, all of you be of one mind, having compassion for one another. Love as brothers. Be tenderhearted and be courteous. Listen to this. Not returning evil for evil or, railing, or reviling for reviling, but on the contrary, blessing. So when someone's evil, when someone's reviling, we return blessing. Knowing that you were called to this. Can you imagine? God's saying we are literally called to this. Like this is our calling as Christians and children of God to show kindness to hurtful people. Why? That you may inherit a blessing. There it is again, a higher place where God's blessings come looking after us when we can embrace this. Again, in Luke 6, 27, 30, I'm just going to, it's 27 on, but I'll just do 27, 32, and 35 because you get the idea. But I say to you who hear, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. 
But if you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? For even sinners love those who love them. 35, but love your enemies, do good and lend, hoping for nothing in return, and your reward will be great. There it is again. When we can love the difficult people, our reward will be great. Not only will we have emotional healing, everything that we put our hands to will prosper because we're aligning our heart with God's heart and walking in his love toward other people, even difficult people. And listen to this last part, for he is kind to the unthankful and the evil. That's how father is. So we're acting like our father. We're living like our heavenly father. We're showing that graciousness. Have you received the difficult people in your life as an instrument of blessing? One more verse. Actually, Pastor Luis gave it this morning for the offering, 37 and 38. Judge not, and you shall not be judged. Condemn not, and you shall not be condemned. Forgive, and you will be forgiven. Give, and it will be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, and running over will be put into your bosom. For with the same measure that you use, it will be measured back to you. Okay, so this gets used a lot for offering time, you know, which I think is a fine use of this verse. But consider the context all the way back to verse 27, all the way through to this verse. What is the context? Not judging other people, doing good to evil people, showing love to difficult people. So you combine that in with giving, you know, and all these blessings, you know, pressed down and running over, uh, they, they come. And so, you know, I'm learning about the Father's love and all these verses that say how much the, the Heavenly Father loves me, you know, bringing healing in my life, you know, not something I, I really received from my earthly father, and this is great. But I realized it can't just be like this revelation, you know, on Sunday morning or, you know, a few verses that I memorize, that there has to be some kind of action where I live. And loving others, and especially loving difficult people, is a part of that whole growth process and growing into what God has for me, what he has for all of us. Experiencing Father's love goes hand in hand with loving and not judging others. So, step one for me, Seek God's forgiveness for violating the law of judging, asking God to forgive you for each judgment, accusation, dishonor, devalue, the look, you know, um, that you place upon another person. And then the second one is make restitution. So I thought, okay, I've, I've got to somehow, this was a couple months later, as I learned more about the Father's love, I got to talk to this other missionary guy. And so I told Cindy, you know, I feel like I need to go try to talk to him again, see if I can make some kind of restitution, and, you know, see if we can at least, you know, be okay with each other if I run into him at the grocery store, the hardware store. So I was very nervous. I didn't want to go to his house and talk to him but I felt like it's what I needed to do. And so I went over to his house. I didn't know if he'd let me in. I certainly didn't know how he might react. <laughs> and so I said, hey, you know, it had been a few months. Things had cooled down a little bit. And I said, can I come in and talk to you for a few minutes? He said, sure. So we walk in and we sit down. 
and I just said, you know, there's a couple of things I wanted to say to you. Um, you know, back when we had this falling out, um, I remember there was one of the comments that you had made that I often didn't listen to, you know, advice you had or ideas that you had or things that you had to say. And I said, you know what, that is true. I, I did do that. And I want to ask you to forgive me for that. That was wrong. I, I shouldn't have reacted like that. That was not the answer. And, um, and I said, anything else I, I did, you know, during that whole period that, you know, was offensive or hurtful, I want to ask you to forgive me. And so he looks at me and he says, I forgive you. And then I didn't know, you know, if he was going to say anything. Um, you know, he had uh, accused us all over the whole city, you know, house to house and all kind of stuff. Tried, said he was going to split the church and start another one around the corner, all kind of stuff he did. And, um, but anyway, he did not address those things. He looked at me and he said, you know what? My father said if a man's got something on his chest, he just has to get it off. And that was it. That was his whole explanation, his whole whatever that was. I don't know if it was apology, but that's what he said. And I was fine with that because I didn't go there looking for him, you know, to apologize to me. That's not why I went. I went looking to restore some level of relationship and do my part, clean up my side of the street and express the Father's love to him. So it didn't matter to me at that point what he did or didn't do because my heart could now be in a higher place. And I could run into him at the store and, hey, how you doing? Fine, how are you? You know, and everything's okay. It's not awkward. It's not weird. I don't got to go around the other side of the store, any of that. And so that was it. And man, God started blessing our ministry. And all kinds of things happened. Our, our, the medical clinic that we were running just exploded. And our church was doing well. Like all these things just started happening over the next year. And he was really just on the sidelines. Nothing really at all happening with him. And, and he had to watch all of that. And that, I didn't engineer that or orchestrate that. That's just what happened. And um, there was just a blessing that came in our lives. And I do want to kind of give one little disclaimer as we finish up here this morning. Forgiveness and trust are two different things. So we had, you know, I had done my best to restore heart and relationship with this guy, but I wouldn't invite him to work with us again. He would have to show that he's trustworthy. You know, I, I wouldn't put the ministry in danger like that, you know. Uh, if someone's been in an abusive relationship, the point of this message is, oh, just love them and get back in that abusive relationship. That's not the point of this message. The point is, if our hearts can be aligned with the Father's love and we can forgive, there's a freedom that comes and a blessing of God. I mean, we read verse after verse, didn't we? Deuteronomy and Galatians and First Peter and Luke chapter 6. All of them said it, right? That a blessing may come in your life, that you may inherit a blessing. That you would live in a higher place and everything that you put your hands to will prosper. And so I just want to pray with you this morning. You know, I, I want to say this too. I don't, I don't think you've got to look at it as just like one step. You know, you, you see these scriptures, all right, that's it. i got to be nice to hard people. You know, it might be a process. You might have to, you know, I didn't go over to this guy's house for several months. You know, it, it took some time for me to kind of get clear in my heart to go take that step. You know, that, that's okay. You know, I think God's okay with us being in process. Um, so I don't want you to feel like this heavy thing, like, all right, 
go home today and just, that's it. Call them all, you know, and, 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 you know, I don't know how many you have, but, uh, you know, I'm guessing that most of us at least have somebody. <laughs> but I think it starts with just simple repentance and just asking us, asking God to forgive us. It starts with, hey, can we pray for a crop failure? You know, like whatever seeds of judgment that we've sown, that we don't have to reap that, that the blood of Jesus can just take care of that. And then we can begin that process of whatever it is God tells us to do. So I want to ask you to pray this prayer for me for our crop failure and just repentance of judging others. Uh, Thank you, Cindy. Would you say out loud, Heavenly Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. So grateful for your grace and unconditional love. God, I confess that I have not been walking in your grace. My pride has stood in the way of my relationship with you and with other people. I have come into an agreement with the enemy with my thoughts and attitudes. I've been critical and judgmental and I repent of my sins and I ask you to forgive me and cleanse me of all of my unrighteous thoughts, attitudes, and actions that stand in the way of an intimate relationship with you. I choose to forgive each person who has hurt me. And so now I want to ask you to just take a moment with your eyes closed. I'm not going to ask anyone to raise hands, but would you just name that person to the Father? Anyone who's hurt you, anyone you feel like you need to forgive. You don't have to speak it out loud, just you and the Father. God, that person, what they did, it really hurt. So God, I lift that person up to you and I make a choice to forgive them and I make a choice to release them. And I ask for your grace and your help to walk that out. God, I don't know if I can do this perfectly, but I'm willing to take a step and try. I'm willing to be open for you to help me forgive that person. So, Father, we thank you for your patience with us. We're so blessed to be called your your child. We love you. In Jesus' name.